This is a Cross of Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. On August 2nd, 2020, we gathered to worship on the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. Pastor Aaron Stamper preached from Genesis chapter 32, verses 32 through 31, the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel. This was the first part of our August sermon series, Jesus Has Left the Build on the Road Again. I can't wait to get on the road again. So yes, today we're beginning a sermon series about biblical road trips. It's a clever idea from Pastor Mark, who realized that the themes of journey, exile, and movement resonate with how many of us have experienced these last several months. We, like Jesus, have left the building. In the coming weeks, we will explore some stories in Scripture about what can happen when we hit the road. And trust me when I say that it is good news. Now, I've watched my fair share of movies whose plots are built around this road trip motif. The road trip genre, which is a uniquely American contribution to cinema, is one of my favorite genres. You can probably think of several examples on your own, but here are a few movie titles just to help you understand what I'm talking about. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Thelma and Louise, Easy Rider, Little Miss Sunshine, The Road to Perdition, O Brother, Where Art Thou, Green Book, RV, and Are We There Yet? Just to name a few. Now, most road trip movies follow the same plot structure. The story begins with an individual or collection of people who are clearly lacking something. Most often, they're lacking a healthy emotional connection to someone else or themselves. So this person or group sets off on a presumably straightforward journey. And then unexpected things happen along the way, which prompt a series of shenanigans and encounters with people that challenges them. And they're forced to reckon with parts of themselves that they prefer to be hidden, resulting in a process of personal growth that is painful, but often hilarious and heartwarming. And so finally they arrive at their destination or return home having uncovered a deeper purpose to the trip than they had originally anticipated, the end. So if you haven't seen a movie from the great American road trip genre, I encourage you to check one out before we get too deep into this month-long sermon series. You'll likely see some important parallels that'll help make sense of both what we're doing here, as well as what you're experiencing in this strange new world, this pandemic and quarantine existence as it continues. Now, I'm no stranger to the great American road trip experience myself, having lived in so many different states over the past two decades. I have a couple of favorite road trip stories that I will space out over the course of this sermon series, but here's my first. In the mid-2000s, my wife, Lindsay, and I lived in Southern California, It was there where we made our first big purchase as a married couple. 
we purchased a used two-person ocean kayak. It was 12 feet long and 60 pounds of open-top molded royal blue plastic. It was amazing. We found the only free parking in all of Southern California near a town called Dana Point, and we would just put in there, head out into the ocean, and uh, paddle along the surface as uh, dolphins or seals or uh, even a whale once came. uh, Actually, the whale came a little too close for comfort, but it was an amazing experience. So when it came time for us to move away from California to Minnesota, we plotted a course along the map that would allow us to stop at a different body of water each day so that we could use our kayak. And as the movers started to shut the door on our moving van packed with all of our stuff, they reminded us that there was still room to put that kayak in the van. But that wasn't part of the plan. So we politely declined and instead strapped it on the roof of our Nissan Sentra and embarked on a 2,250-mile journey to our new home. Our first stop was the San Francisco Bay. So several hours later, after we set off on this journey, we were driving north on I-5 through the agricultural heart of the California Valley. And we were met with incredible gusts of wind that were pummeling the driver's side of the car. So we stopped at a rest area and double-checked the knots and straps that were holding the kayak to the roof rack and the roof rack to the car, all secure. Not 10 minutes later, after continuing our windblown journey north on I-5, we felt the car shift. A horrific, metallic, scratching, screeching noise. And we caught a glimpse of a flash of blue out of the passenger side windows. Though I had witnessed the whole event myself, I could hardly believe it when my wife turned to me and said, our kayak just blew off the roof of our car. I immediately pulled onto the shoulder of the interstate, waited for a break in the traffic, and I got out to inspect the damage. The only thing left on the top of our car was one of the two roof rack bars and a huge indent where the other one had once been. Now down the roughly 30-foot slope down to the ditch, and about 50 yards behind us, I saw our overturned kayak. Now, in no time at all, a CHIPS officer, that's California Highway Patrol, pulled up behind our car, and he was completely uninterested in our story or in helping us. He demanded that we get off the shoulder immediately for our own safety. Now, there was no way for us to put the kayak back on top of our car, so we got back in the car and drove away in shock, in disbelief, in anger. frustration. That was the last we ever saw that kayak. Though I imagine that ship's officer came back for it after we left and still enjoys using it today. That's my hunch as to why he was in such a hurry. Now here's why I tell that story alongside today's story of Jacob wrestling the man or angel or God or whatever that thing was. Because it doesn't seem like those stories have much in common, but the stories illustrate a difference, a difference of personal agency in demanding to receive God's promise 
of good gifts. Let me explain. In the biblical story, Jacob demanded something good to come out of his tribulations. Now remember, Jacob didn't have a single moral or ethical leg to stand on. He was a jerk. And yet he demanded a blessing from the God whom he knew freely gave out blessings. And he would not let that man or that angel or God himself go until he received a blessing. Now, that takes some chutzpah. The man known as the deceiver felt that he was entitled to the blessings of God, same as everyone else. And of course, he was absolutely correct. He was entitled to those blessings, worthy of those divine blessings. Now back to my story. I didn't demand anything from that situation. My wife and I didn't demand that the officer help us. We didn't demand that the manufacturer of that roof rack admit that their product was faulty. We didn't demand that anything. We didn't demand anything from anyone that would have helped us get that kayak out of the ditch and back into our possession. We just drove away, feeling shock and disappointment. And more than a fair share of shame and frustration at our decision to not put it on the moving van. I remember thinking at the time, we're, we're good people. Why did this happen to us? Of course, whenever we find ourselves thinking that way, at least for me, that's just another layer of shame that comes on top of it because I understand how minor my inconveniences were and that there are obviously people who had more to complain about than we did. Think back to all the biblical characters and stories that you know. Can you think of any biblical examples of people being filled with shame and still receiving the blessings from God? I couldn't, because when you are wrapped in shame, you don't ask God for anything. You feel like you don't deserve it, or that God's blessings will be withheld from you, so you don't ask. So we gave away our agency. We floated along the current of life, which I guess is a pun, and yes, it would have been fun to float along the current of life in our kayak, But in our disappointment, we felt and acted powerless. But not Jacob. That dude demanded a blessing despite not having any claim to it. And the whole reason Jacob was on his road trip was because he knew his brother would kill him because of his earlier betrayal of him. And if a guy like that could demand and receive a blessing from God, why didn't we ask for one? I I tell you this story because I want you to demand blessings from God. You have every right to demand blessings from God for yourself and for others. It's clear from Scripture and tradition that God enjoys giving blessings to those who ask. It seems that for some reason, God simply likes to be asked. Now, failing to demand blessings from God is not an exercise in humility, as I often thought. Rather, failing to demand blessings from God is 
more likely a sign that you're hedging your bets because deep down, you don't trust God. I never once prayed to God in that situation, in that kayak situation. It didn't even occur to me. The reason I, I didn't pray is because I, deep down, assumed God had nothing to do with that situation, would not respond, would not help in that situation, that it was somehow happening in a space that God was not permeated in. I never once asked for help, and I never once received help. And just imagine how much better that story would be if it went something like this. So in shock, we pulled off on the shoulder of the road, not knowing what else to do, realizing the case was hopeless, I turned to God and I prayed for help without shame, without fear. I just put my trust in the God who likes giving gifts and showering blessings on people. And I prayed to God for help, for some solution to the problem. And wouldn't you know it, but behind us, our moving van came up and recognized our car and pulled off on the shoulder of the road and put that kayak back in the van. That would be a good story. That would preach. But I still talk about this story. I'm preaching this sermon because road trip movies don't end when the disruptions start happening. Right? That stuff takes place in the middle of the story in order to introduce some humor and tension. It sets the stage for the later chapters of character development. The resolution or climax of the story comes later, when those disruptions start to change the characters for the better, so that they can return home, not simply with souvenirs from the journey, such as beat-up cars or new friends or a newfound criminal history, which is kind of a common theme of road trip movies, but rather they return home with a new perspective on life, an enhanced personal agency in their life. I've told my kayak story a number of times, so many times, but only recently have I started to see the lesson of it. Only recently have I started to demand more from God. I've started asking God for things. I've tried to familiarize myself with God so that I would trust that the things I feel compelled to ask for would be in line with what God has promised to give me. I pray for healing for people who are suffering. I pray for equality and justice for those who are oppressed. I pray that the planet would be stewarded so that future generations cannot just enjoy God's creation, but simply survive in it. I pray for safety and security. I pray for daily bread. I pray that the kingdom of heaven would come near, that my eyes would be open to the way that it already has. I pray for these things because I have come to see, only recently, that God is a loving giver of good gifts. And I pray that you would come to see God in this same way. Amen.